Happy Monday, everyone. It is episode 45 of Bet to Win. I'm Claudia Bellafato. He is Joe Fan. We are here in the beautiful Blue Wire studios at the Win Las Vegas. Joey, NBA All-Star Weekend, was it a little better than Pro Bowl, I guess we can say? Yeah, marginally. I didn't watch a ton of it. I watched more of the game. I, I pretty much skipped all of All-Star Saturday night and just watched the highlights, and I was happy I did so. <laughs> Agreed. It's just turning into where, I know we're going to talk about it a bit more, but I'd rather spend that All-Star Saturday night re-watching the Aaron gordon Zach Levine dunk contest and worrying with whatever's going to happen in the current year. Yeah. And then just if I'm wrong, I'll go back and watch that one. But usually I'm not. You're telling me you missed the the Steph and Aisha Curry super awkward couples quiz. You didn't get. Oh, my God. There is this. I didn't segment. even know what happened. There was a segment. <laughs> and I forget who it was. I don't know if it was two chains. I don't know if anyone back there remembers, but it was a rapper and his girl and the Curry's. And it was the most awkward thing. It was like five questions, blindfolded, drink something. If you think like a couple's quiz to promote their show, the Curry show. But my Lord, I was like, okay, bring, I was like, as bad as the basketball's been, bring it back, please. I feel like we just need to stop with the, do something different. I know they keep changing the format for all-star and pro bowl stuff, but it's still just not, like it doesn't really hit the mark for me. Yeah. I don't know. I get it. I saw, it was two chains. Okay. My producer just told me two chains. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Glad I missed that. I'm not, but yeah. No FOMO there (laughs) for me. you You really should be glad you missed that. Uh, Good weekend overall, though. Yeah, Yeah. I had a wonderful weekend betting college basketball. Got to golf a couple of times. Uh, The weather was tremendous all weekend here in Vegas. It feels like we're getting back into like 70 degrees and perfect sunshine, which is just immaculate. So a lot of fun this weekend. Uh, I went 11 and four against the spread uh, in college basketball, including my best bet last Thursday was Middle Tennessee State minus three and a half against FIU. I took them again on Saturday. Uh, and they covered again. So I've been riding the Blue Raiders and probably will do so again tonight. Uh, not to steal a thunder of my winning pick coming up. Um, but they have been good to me. It, you always feel worse about the losses than you do the wins. And it was a very fun weekend. But there were a couple of games that could have made it a really profitable weekend. I looked at the line for Long Beach State at UC Santa Barbara on Saturday and said, I don't understand why they're five-point dogs. They should be, in my opinion, at least more closer to a pick if not the favorite. So to me, getting them at five and a half was an easy slam dunk of a pick. And they got just boat raced in the second half. They were up one early in the second half and then got run from there. So that was frustrating when it, when you feel like you're missing something and it turns out you are missing something and Vegas just always seems to know. Um, And then I had a money line parlay on Sunday and Marquette just absolutely melted against Creighton. They were up the entire second half as many as six or seven. Uh, in the final seconds, they were down one with possession. So you're not, they lose no harm, whatever, all good. But they had two straight possessions down one or two points and they turned the ball over both times, failing to get a shot off. And of course I took money line because they had a prayer three pointer down four to get to one. Some lines were closed at one, some got at one and a half, but against the spread, they either pushed or won. I had money line. And so I was a loser no matter what the salt in the wound there. Um, but other than that, a really fun weekend betting college hoops. You say 11 and four though? 11 and four. Yeah. Okay. So certainly profitable. That's, definitely yeah. profitable. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's overwhelming going through a college basketball. It's like on Saturday, everyone plays. Yeah. The whole country is playing basketball on Saturday. And so you're scrolling through. And at one point I had like 23 games I reasonably felt good about. And I'm like, if I, I don't want to bet 23 games, but I know if I weed this down, I think I said this last week, I'm going to take out the winners and leave the losers. Yeah. 
ultimately still did okay um, despite taking some of the, those, those other games out. But That's yeah, huge. A lot of fun. I'm happy for it. Appreciate you. Uh, I did not quite have as much action, but unfortunately, my little hockey streak came to an end. I had Blues puck line minus one and a half at Canadians. It lost. It was at minus 110. Honestly, Blues started out flat from the first few minutes of the game. I was like, damn. Canadians decided to play the best game of the season. So that's great. They won this massive losing streak, then went two in a row. Uh, they won it in overtime, 3-2. Big game from Cole Caulfield. He forced overtime, then got the game winner. And first win for interim head coach Martin St. Louis. So they have a new head coach. He went 0-3. Now they've won two in a row. Something to keep an eye on. Uh, he took over for fired former head coach Dominique Ducharme, who got fired because they were not playing well. I don't know if this is really going to be a turning point for them. I'm, I'm sort of fading them again tonight, but we will see. So that was my loss. I didn't have a ton of action. It is just so weird to me not to have NFL to bet on. Like how much should I have an NHL? And I'm just starting to get into college basketball a little bit more. So it's like, I'm being cautious, Yeah, you know, not like you just throwing out 25 college basketball yeah. yet. Yes, I will say it. It's, it's, yeah, I don't know why. I, I, it also, I feel like, is I'm telling myself, like, yeah, this is all just helping me get ready for March Madness and oh, I'm going to huh? just dominate March Madness, which I've never done in my entire but life. But you were definitely prepping. My yeah. bracket is busted on the first two days of the tournament every single year. But <laughs> no, it has been fun because it does, it's, it's like it's building to what is my favorite sporting event of the entire year. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's been, it's just, I, I, I've decided, I've, I said this before, but I've quit my, journey of trying to be a hockey sharp. Man, that's so lame. It's so fun. You need to hop back on. I'm, this is what we're going to do, okay? Everybody mark my words and Joe's words because he's going to agree with me. I'm hopping on the college basketball bandwagon, super late, but I'm going to. And you're going to hop back on that NHL and you're going to bet some hockey with me, okay? Okay. All Deal? right. Deal? Shake right. on it. Deal. Shake on it. Thank you. We'll shake on and it. And we'll continue to the headlines. <laughs> we just talked a little bit about NBA All-Star Weekend. Huge flop. Skills competition, probably the best. And it was, it was pretty interesting to watch. They had the new formats. You had the team rookies. They were the heavy, heavy favorites at minus 165. Scotty Barnes, Cade Cunningham, Josh Kitty. Great. Team Antetokounmpo, the three brothers, super fun. And then those team Cavs were at plus 240. They ended up winning it. Jared Allen, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley. Mobley, who won with the half-court shot in the final round. That was fun. Like, I, I enjoyed watching that. Everything else sort of fell flat for me. I feel like I'm watching sports. That I didn't know any of this happened. I, mean, I knew it happened, but I didn't know the results <laughs> oh, of any of it. So I love that you're giving me like the spark notes. Yeah, I didn't. I yeah. wasn't locked in. I saw that Carl Anthony Towns won. And I actually had looked at lines and you're thinking, gosh, at plus 1,200, why not just throw 10 bucks on it? And then I didn't. And of course he wins. But you're like, he's not going to. And there's 10 people participating. What are the odds of that? I'll just save my money. Then he wins. You're like, gosh, that should have been just a, a beer money play. I, I I don't get the outrage. I, I guess I do because everyone wants the dunk contest to be super epic. But I don't... It's hard for me to like really lose sleep over. I mean, there's been so many dunk contests and so many incredible performances that A, unless you're going to get the absolute superstars of the league, which just doesn't happen anymore and it hasn't for quite some time, there's just not that much that can be done that has never been done. So when it gets really gimmicky... It's like sort of everyone trying to have flair. It's like, I'm going to do this dunk that's been done a million times, but I'm going to add some piece of flair like it's office space and try to make it and repackage it as something new. It's just the uphill battle any contestant dunk contest faces is so immense. And you're setting yourself up for such embarrassment when you start missing dunks as they did on Saturday night. 
Shaq, Shaq's face, I couldn't. Yeah. You see, Shaq, Shaq was so disappointed in the dunk contest. I mean, I don't know. Bring some more objects out there other than people. Like, I want to see some cars like they used to do. Even, at, I don't know, like someone. Uh, it's maybe just like, who's planning your Saturday night around Cole Anthony <laughs> in a dunk contest? I don't, you know. <laughs> I don't know yet. Uh, but many people were. The All-Star game was fun, though. Are, really? I don't I think the for Steph the, Curry dropped 50. Oh, I know. But it's like Steph Curry. Like we're assuming that he's going to drop 50. I don't know. At the beginning of the game, I can't stand basketball for the main reason that I feel like no one ever plays defense, but especially an all-star. I'm like, okay, it's just going coast to coast. LeBron shooting half court. It's just like, to me, it's kind of stupid. But until the final you know, few seconds, final few minutes when it actually matters, that's when it's fun. Um, I just love Steph, man. Oh, so he is my favorite animal. athlete to watch, bar none. Yeah, I don't think any bit of the NBA regular season is appointment viewing, except for when you see on Twitter, like, hey, turn on ESPN, hey, turn on TNT, Steph's cooking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, oh, 100%. And you're like, I kind of want to watch that. I mean, like, that's... Okay. <laughs> he just, he's... I don't, there's, I, don't, I don't know how many Steph creators are out there. I think there are some because people don't like the shimmies and the fun that he oh. has. And the, but dude is just an absolute star and like the way he revolutionized basketball in terms of the, you know, you see like football has changed to passing league and the NBA and all of basketball has turned into such a three point focus. Yeah. And it's because of him because he isn't human. And there's like the, the talk about flair, his style, his flavor, his sauce is just, I love it. And it was really fun. Despite like his, the sickest shot he had all game was like a 35 footer that he, he caught, took three steps backwards and like the yeah. the ultimate James Harden travel and then puts it up and drains it. But I don't know. He, to me, he saved All-Star Weekend because he was sensational. Does he have haters? I feel like I've never... Because I feel I like think, if he didn't have the shimmy and like make things fun, then people would be like, he's boring. But I think people, are people never just happy. hate the Warriors in general. That's true. Yeah. Once the Durant thing happened, I think everyone kind of soured on that team. But yeah. well, know, Steph is sick. In case you were curious and you were like Joe and didn't watch, Carl Anthony Towns... 12 to one long shot. He won the three point challenge. Obi Toppin, two to one, takes the slam dunk challenge, which we called. Didn't we sort of say that last week? And then the all star game, LeBron was I didn't. Team LeBron. Oh, I said, I said, Obi Toppin. I didn't bet it, but I mean, yeah. that's what I said. Uh, and then Team LeBron was laying six. The total closed at 325. So depending on where you got it, it the, the final total was 323. So that hit under, but it did open at 319 and a half. It got pushed up to 325. If you care. But if you're like Joe and you don't care, then we move on. <laughs> Speaking of NBA stars, former NBA star, well, former NBA player, now Michigan men's basketball coach, Jawan Howard, was in headlines for not the best reasons. And it doesn't matter if you watch the game or not, because it was all over social media. Michigan was losing 77 to 63 to the Wisconsin Badgers on national TV. Wisconsin called a timeout with 48 seconds left to put in the backups. Then they called another timeout with 15 seconds remaining. Wisconsin coach Greg Gard said he called a timeout to help the bench players get set, get the ball across half court to get a fresh 10 seconds. Probably wasn't needed. I don't know. Everyone has their own opinion. Regardless, they get into the handshake lineups. Howard starts pointing a figure, shouting, finger shouting at Gard. Guard sort of, I didn't think it looked confrontational. Like he just kind of puts his hands up, kind of like, all right, bud, you know, when you put your hand on someone's shoulder trying to explain to them, he's trying to make it like more affectionate, I thought, than confrontational. Well, Jawan Howard did not think that. He thought he was trying to start a brawl. It was just a 
shit show, if I can use that word, watching this. I'm like, how? We're grown. Like, you're grown men here. You really need to start. Because then Howard throws a punch at the poor assistant coach. I'm like, he's not even the one that should be getting a swing at. But to start throwing punches because you don't agree with a timeout call because you're losing. Come on. We see stuff. Also, maybe put some respect on Juwan Howard's name as you you went from superstar <laughs> to player. One time NBA All-Star. One, two yeah, titles. Okay. Yeah, one-time yeah. All-NBA players on the All-Rookie team as a rookie in 94-95. Yeah. Put a little respect on Jordan Howard's name. But he embarrassed himself and his yeah. program um, on Sunday, as did, to me, Greg Gard and, and the assistant coaching staff um, of Wisconsin. I do think it's fascinating. We see cases of this and instances of this multiple times every year, usually um, during football season, where you know coaches get in their feels about a football team scoring on them when the game's already a blowout or going for two or going for a fourth down at the end of the game when the game's out of reach and, and they get snippy at each other at midfield and they talk about it in the, you know, the post game um, interviews. It's just baffling to me that we are still in this age where these grown men are so sensitive and their egos are so sensitive. Juwan Howard's Michigan team is still playing full court defense. A starter is still in the game, despite this game being well without a reach the game is decided at this point. So how are you then going to get upset by a timeout? You don't like it? Fine. Play better. Like, then to walk through, and he said, this is what he said, post games, I told him, I'll remember that timeout. Like, please. You'll remember it? I mean, I hope so. I hope that you guys can, can show up next time you play Wisconsin. But you guys embarrass yourselves on the court, and then after the game, it's just a bad look. And I think there will be a suspension. Um, he's not going to get fired. People relax. I don't have the take of like, oh my gosh, what about the children? Hide your eyes. Um, I do think it's embarrassing for a grown man and grown men to act like that. And it just, it, to me, my takeaway, it always comes back to, if, if you don't like it, stop it. You know, if you don't want this football team to score against you, stop them. You know, it's not their fault you're getting your butt kicked. So, especially with how that game was going in terms of how Juwan Howard managed it with the pressure defense, leaving a starter in, it's like, Get out of your feels, man. Just right. take your L and move on. Yeah, I mean, he has sort of a history of getting into some shouting matches, and I don't know if I've ever seen him like throw a punch. Maybe when he was playing, he it was definitely a different story. But once you're a coach, it's def it, you know it's different, and it's college yeah. basketball. I agree. There's no reason he should get fired for this. He was heated, and it also is good sometimes to see. There's two sides to it. I think if for anyone who played a sport, it's always nice to see your coach sort of back your team up, regardless of. You know, it's not like anyone was throwing punches at the players in game, but he felt it was disrespectful to the team. It's nice to see your coach sort of back you up, but maybe with your words and I just not guess your hands. there's a line like, yeah, I want my coach <laughs> to have my back, but I don't want him to embarrass me either. Yeah, yeah. There's a fine line for sure. Well, not much more to say about that. We'll see what happens. He said he will accept any penalty handed down by the Big Ten. I assume it'll be some sort of money that he could easily pay, and we all move on, and we're happy. Brian Flores hired as Steelers defensive assistant and linebackers coach. So this is a topic of conversation we've been having. Didn't weren't sure if he was going to get any coaching position job. This is certainly not, you know, to go from head coach to, to defensive assistant and linebackers coach. He's not even defensive coordinator. He's not play caller. So this is definitely a dip. But if you look at his resume, four-time Super Bowl champion as special teams, linebackers, and safeties coach with the Patriots. 19-14 record as head coach of the Dolphins the past two seasons. What's interesting, betting, Steelers opened at 100-1 to 1 odds to win next year's Super Bowl, now at 60-1 to 1 on win bet. 
with Flores not having a ton, I, I mean, not really a ton of say, definitely some sort of impact on the team, but I don't know if the odds should really change based on him being added to the coaching staff. I don't know if you agree, disagree. Um, I don't think it changes a ton. I think that line movement, and it is interesting because we talked about NFL futures last week, and I gave out the Steelers as a potential value play at 75 to one. It's interesting. It's moving down now um, just in a matter of a couple of days. Brian Flores probably impacts things a bit, but I think it's probably the growing speculation. The Steelers get a quarterback. It's to some degree, and they're not going to have Mason Rudolph lining up under center in week one. And if that 75 to one says Mason Rudolph is going to be starting for this team as it starts to dip. I think you are going to, it's, it's because of the speculation that they will go out and get somebody, whether it's Jimmy G or otherwise. And, um, but yeah, I think it's great. It's an awesome hire. It's a slam dunk hire. I mean, a guy who overachieved his two seasons as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Um, you know, it's not a shock that good teams stay good and good organizations stay good when you have Mike Tomlin, one of the most respected head coaches in all of football, one of the best of all time, who says, yeah, we'll, we'll go get that guy and bring him on our staff as our senior defensive assistant because all he's going to do is make us better. So um, it's a smart hire by the Steelers. And, um, but it, until we figure out who's playing quarterback for them, it, my opinions on them don't change. I still think getting, throwing a couple bucks down at 60 to one that you'd like, you would like to hope they've seen enough out of Mason Rudolph to say, we cannot possibly <laughs> go into next not. season with him as our starting quarterback. Yeah. So agreed. I still like them at 60 to one. I like them more at 75 to one, but mm -hmm. um, I think that's why the line is moving. Not necessarily just because of Brian Flores. Good for Flores though, regardless. Yeah, right? I think no one so. thought he was going to get a job. He, he's with an NFL team. I'm sure he will do as much as he can and probably go above expectations. The man deserves to be working. Role. Yeah, certainly. Agreed. Um, let's get into our guest uh, here in this episode. It's Stormy Bonantoni. Uh, she's the host of VEASAN's My Guys in the Desert Show weekdays, five to six Eastern. He's also an ace sideline reporter for ESPN, one of my favorite follows in the gambling space. Stormy, thank you so much for joining us. How are you here on this fine Monday? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be on with you guys today and finally uh, connect. I feel like I've known you on social media for a while, Joe, but to actually be face-to-face -face is good. I know when we've talked Niners over social media, we see some of the gear and the, the flag hanging in the background of your shot there. Um, but you are, despite being a Niners fan, you're a, a Vegas native, and I've been excited to ask you this question knowing we have you on, Claudia and I are newbies here, I, I guess six months, but still relative newbies. And it's, I still come down and, and do our shows in the wind. And, and it's still sort of surreal to me that I live in Las Vegas and it feels kind of just bizarre. As a Vegas native, I don't feel like I've met many Vegas natives. What is it like being from here? And how have you seen this town evolve as a sports town and, and as, you know, as far as sports betting goes? Well, it's funny. I always thought, you know, growing up, wherever you grow up, you think it's just a very normal place because it's all that you know. And it wasn't until I actually lived somewhere else. I lived in um, Colorado for a couple of years and I learned that things close, um, you know, <laughs> earlier than ever, like in general, you know, it's not a 24 yeah. seven town, other places that you can go bowling outside of a casino or a movie theater outside of a casino. Those were foreign concepts to me also. Um, but it was great growing up here. I loved, I love, love, love calling Las Vegas home. You say that it's kind of surreal for you guys from an outsider perspective, but I still, get excited every time I take a flight back home from a college football game that I'm working and get to see the lights of the city. Like that's not lost on me. I do think it's a very special place to live. And in terms of sports here, 
it has been incredible over the last five, six years. Um, when the Vegas Golden Knights came to town, I got so excited. I saw a Vegas born t-shirt that then I found out that was going to be a mantra. I was like, that's me. And you know how bought in everybody here in the city was for the Golden Knights and getting to work for them for a couple of seasons was a really tremendous opportunity too, to get to be a part of my hometown team. But then seeing the NFL come here, seeing the WNBA come here and knowing how much is potentially on the horizon is, is really, really special. And especially considering people said for the longest time, it couldn't work. The fact that it's been such a success is, is really, really incredible. Yeah. Those nights games are such a blast. I've been seeing you on sidelines. I've been watching you on Twitter and on social and on TV for a while. So I always saw you on the sidelines. Then I saw that you were in the betting space and I was super excited to see you in here because there's not a ton of women in the space. What was that transition like going from sideline, going to from some more traditional reporting to the betting space? How long has it been and sort of how does your approach change with that? Yeah, it's really interesting because I'm sure Claudia, you know, too, before you got into the space um, in normal media, it's, it was always kind of like, Hey, we can't talk about this. You have to step aside from it. And especially when I worked for the Carolina Panthers for a time, and then the golden Knights, when you work for a team, you like for your job, like you're legally not allowed to bet on, on that sport. And so like, it was a little bit different to go into it saying, Oh, like I'm actually going to be paid now to talk about that. Yeah. Like that's important. <laughs> um, but as far as like my, um, how I got into betting to begin with growing up here. I think that the language just came a lot more naturally. I, my, my dad's been betting on games my entire life. So, uh, you know, sitting on his lap as a little girl watching the NFL on Sunday, it didn't matter who won the game, but by how many points. And so, um, you know, that's just kind of been part of my life forever. And it was more a thing that I had to talk about kind of quietly behind closed doors before now. I feel so fortunate that I get to talk about it every day. My uncle is actually an odds maker here in town too. So whenever I have any questions about anything, he's always really good to help me out. But it's been a fun transition. Claudia, how have, how have you enjoyed it? And I think being a woman in the space is, is really cool and it's a unique and special thing. And my producer on my show is actually a woman too, which I know is a little unique. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I've loved it. It's definitely a different challenge. I was going to ask you, do you have a preference? Because people keep asking, do I want to go back to traditional reporting? I'm like, not really, because I feel like it's so like, intertwined at this point that you can't really do, like, we see it on the games now. You were saying before it was sort of taboo, but now it's out yeah. there. Everyone's talking about it. So do you have a preference? Like, do you like the traditional more than sort of the betting format? Because I know I'm, I'm all in on betting now, so. <laughs> yeah, I love that I get to do both. Um, that's kind of been... A really special thing I think personally is that I get to during college football season, still work live events and get to do that side of things. But you're right. It totally has bled into everything. Even I did a, um, uh, the New Mexico bowl earlier this year and a motivation on the sideline for one of the teams that was playing were like, we wait, what we know, uh, like the number of the week has been 13 because they were 13 point underdogs. You're like the number of the week has been 13. That's been like our mantra all week long. And I was like, it bleeds over so much to the traditional scape too, that that ended up being a hit I did in the game, which was kind That's of crazy. fun and different <laughs> combining the worlds. Um, so I don't really have a preference because like you said, it's bled over so much. Like you have odds on the ticker now for NFL network, right. which who would have thought that something like that would ever be, but it's really awesome. Stormy, it's a great time to talk to you because over the weekend, maybe the biggest headline, it wasn't the super newsworthy weekend in sports, 
with the NBA All-Star Weekend was happening. Um, college basketball full slates on Saturday and Sunday. But the big news on Sunday, Juwan Howard getting into it with Greg Gard um, ended up kind of slapping, throwing hands at one of the Wisconsin assistants after that game, upset that Wisconsin called a timeout, saying he would remember it. Um, and it turns into this big thing where both sides are trying to explain themselves. There's probably, you know, some, some significant embarrassment on both programs. You are a sideline reporter. So you are on the field. You get to see, you know, how some of these coaches are interacting, how you interact with different coaches and players, what's happening in terms of the heat of the moment type stuff. And I'm just curious if maybe you have a story or two for us of just kind of wild sideline moments of maybe things you weren't directly involved with, maybe interview wise, but things you just were able to see before, during, or after a game. Well, first off, I don't think a lot of people necessarily, like if you're a fan at a game and you sit a little bit farther back, you don't really realize how much is said. The first sideline game I ever did, I was like, oh, wow, these guys, that's a lot. Um, you know, just, the first, I was a little taken aback because you're just up close and personal to everything. Um, I fortunately haven't had an instance where like, a coach has gotten in a fight with another coach or anything like that. But there is a lot of smack talk that goes on throughout the course of the game, especially after you see a big tackle made near a sideline and you're standing right there and guys are getting into it. It, it happens all the time. And I think it makes the game fun and it makes it more intense. This situation was obviously a little bit uh, different that it's at the end of the game. And interesting that like they still on the broadcast post game, were able to talk to Greg guard right away and kind of get the lowdown from his perspective on what happened. But I'm sure you guys have seen the video from down low, of like the local media reporter that had his camera right in there that like Greg kind of started it a little bit, but you see the reaction more so from Juwan Howard. And it's just a whole, a whole thing. It'll be interesting to see what repercussions come from that. More of my sideline stories have been like funnier or there are those awkward moments, I suppose, when a coach is screaming at an official and then you have to do a halftime interview. Those are always really heated moments where anything that you were thinking about for your question just instantly goes out the window because you have to react to the situation. Be like, so you're visibly frustrated right now. What's going on? <laughs> that was my follow-up um, because like, that's my nightmare. Like, approaching people in general isn't normally my thing. I, obviously, these coaches know that they're obligated to a halftime interview, whether they're going into the locker room or catching up real quickly as they come out for the third quarter. But I'm just picturing a team having just a nightmare first half. They're down 21 or, you know, some bad call from an official cost them whatever. They're heated. They just want to get into their locker room and, and, uh, like, Hi. and mother, <laughs> mother up their team up and down in the locker room. Yeah. And then Stormy's like, hey, real quick, just need a couple questions. And like, you have to like potentially be the person they take it out on with their frustration. Is that ever something like you just dread? Because that to me gives me so much anxiety. Oh, constantly. It constantly <laughs> gives me anxiety. And I really worry about having one of those like Nick Saban-esque type moments where the coach is just like, did you even watch the play? And like, I fortunately haven't had that yet, but it does. It gives me, it gives me bad vibes. Just thinking about it potentially happening. A lot of those cases for sidelines though, if, if a team is trailing like that, like we have things in place to say, Hey, let's do our on-camera interview with the leading coach right now. Um, when the trailing coach comes out of the break, I'll get his comments on it so that he has, you know, time to cool off and think about the situation and how he wants to present himself so that you're not putting the coach in a bad spot either. Um, but sometimes you can't help it. The, it's a tie game and a crazy thing went down and you have to ask the question and just be prepared for whatever comes at you. 
Luckily, you're very good at what you do. I've watched a lot of your sideline stuff. I feel like it's hard for a coach to sort of yell at you. So I understand I would feel the anxiety as well. But luckily, you know what you're doing out there. So I'm sure it's not as much anxiety. Thank you. I try to to be nice. You know, you build the relationship, establish it as much beforehand so that, you know, know you, they're going. Right. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I uh, hopped on Visa and the look ahead with Scott Seinberg Super Bowl week, and we were talking about a bunch of different odds and. You know, we brought, when you have two weeks of props up, you literally have to go through everything. So we start talking Gatorade color. So yeah, well, Stormy did a whole article on Gatorade color. I'm like, what does this girl not do? I'm like, she literally does breakdowns of everything. You got super creative with NFL. Now the NFL is over. Joe and I have been dabbling with some college basketball, NHL. We've been talking some UFC. Do you have a preference on what sport? Are you digging into something a little bit more that now the NFL is over? Um, yeah. So it's funny you say the Gatorade thing. Sometimes I just, I, I call them, I do the research so you don't have to. And I just <laughs> kind of find something random to dig in on that's a bettable space. And I, it's been a lot of fun to do some of those different things. Um, the fact that red Gatorade, by the way, has never been poured on a game winning coach in the Super Bowl is astounding to me. I don't understand how it's a very popular color. Um, but I do. Yeah. I've been diving into some more college basketball because I used to be an NHL ringside reporter. Like I said, I, I care a lot of more about hockey and I really enjoy betting it. Um, so those are probably the two sports I've primarily jumped into is college basketball and NHL. And it's been, um, it's, you know, NFL just takes over everything. So that first day back where I was, you know, you know, you do a couple sprinkles here and there throughout the the start of the early season for other sports, but still NFL is king. And that's your focus every week is getting set for those games. And then the Monday after Super Bowl comes and you're like, Oh shoot. I have to really do this now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I completely feel you. I've been diving into NHL a little bit more college basketball, sort of Joe's realm. Do you have any hockey futures in mind? Like, do you have a ticket? Do you have some teams that you're just looking at? Yeah, I do. Um, I have a 22 to one New York Rangers future. Um, I'm just a huge fan of Igor Shosturkin and he's carried so much of that team. I also just love Gerard Gallant and everything that he's been able to do with that squad. So they're one of the like longer shots that I was intrigued by. I know the abs are the big favorite as they should be, but they always kind of are and then never seem to do what they need to do in the postseason. And I saw that firsthand in their series with the VGK last postseason. Um, so I'm one of those people that's not going to put money on Colorado at any point ever. Okay. <laughs> just- okay. How I feel, but I also similarly, as much as I hate to say it, I don't have favorite. Uh, I don't have like a lot of confidence in Vegas when it comes to that time of year either. Um, you can get some value at them at nine to one, some books, and I know a lot of people, especially when they've gone through a couple little slump areas, and right now not having Mark Stone, not having Alec Martinez available, we're like, hey, maybe I can get a good number on Vegas. But they seem to have Western Conference finalitis. And they're just allergic to being there and they don't want to get over the hump. So I, I struggle with that also. But my favorite long shot is definitely is definitely New York. Um, you know, they've uh they just lost to Detroit last week, so that made me a little sick to my stomach, but I think they'll get back <laughs> to form here. It's Washington and Pittsburgh. Gotcha. Stormy, that was like when we were talking NBA futures last week and I was I like the Celtics at twenty five to one. Like that night they lost outright to the Pistons. You're like sick. Thanks, Boston. <laughs> yeah. Making me look good on that one. What about college basketball? March Madness is coming right around the corner. The first weekend of the tournament is my favorite weekend in sports where you go from 64 all the way to a sweet 16 in a matter of four days. Um, Whether it's favorites 
that you can already picture going to the all the way through your bracket that you're going to pencil in uh, or maybe a long shot and mid-major that you've enjoyed watching? Yeah. Um, so I'm really good friends with Dave Fleming, ESPN uh, play-by-play guy for multiple sports. Um, and yep. he covers a ton of Gonzaga basketball. So I'm obviously they're the big favorite for a reason to get back to the big game um, led by Chet Holmgren. Who's been this incredible. Like he has turned into a complete superstar over the last month or two and really changed the outlook of that team to me, especially his defensive play. Like he's just such an elite level shot blocker. So fun to watch. And Drew Timmy's obviously so solid. Like Gonzaga is a favorite to win for a reason, but I think legitimately there's probably seven, eight teams that I could see winning the national championship. Like you've got Kentucky that is a team that usually coming into the season is talked so much about. And for whatever reason this year, they weren't really talked about as much until the last couple of weeks flew under the radar a little bit. And then even with Ty Ty Washington, not being fully healthy and they have suffered a little bit because of it, put Alabama in their place in the second half the other day, which by the way, like Alabama, I'm sorry, I'm just going to go on a little tangent Please here. Do. Please do. <laughs> we welcome tangents here. The, top, the fact that they were still ranked in the top 25 last week, like, made me so frustrated as a person because I just do not think they're good. I think they were given so much credit for beating Gonzaga back in December that went over Baylor. They've also lost to two of the worst teams in the SEC. Like, how do you lose to Georgia and Missouri? And I, I don't know. And then you suffer double-digit losses to the good teams every time you play them. Like, I'm not down with it. Anyways, but <laughs> you see teams like Baylor, you see Duke, a potential contender as always in coach K's final year, hard to hold them out. I do have a couple long shot tickets as well, but going back to your Celtics thing, I like picked, I did a long shot, um, 35 to one on Houston. And then when they were 20 and two, and then they were two and two since. So not thrilled with that. Texas tech. I have it 30 to one that I, I really like beat Texas twice upset Kansas in early January and barely fell to them in two overtime later in the month. So um, as long as Terrence Shannon stays healthy, I I really like them. And another team that's a super long shot that I probably shouldn't have even bet, but I just get good vibes from it is Arkansas. I love, love, love the Razorbacks and what Eric Musselman has done with Arkansas. And I think that if if they get in the tourney and make a little bit of a run, it could be a really fun postseason. Yeah, I'm with you. I think both Arkansas and Texas Tech are fun teams. I love Texas Tech. I want to see, I don't know if I'm going to get the same odds that you did, but the run they've been on beating TCU, beating Baylor by 10, and then beating Texas for a second time, the second time being on the road, it's hard not to love Texas Tech. Their size, the way they play defense, they're going to be a problem from whoever they play. Second best defensive team in the country. Um, Stormy, thank you so much for your time. You are absolutely tremendous. Again, it's Stormy, Stormy Bonantoni, follower on Twitter. Check her out on VSIN, 5 to 6 Eastern. Uh, my guys in the desert, also an ace sideline reporter for ESPN. And you will see her there regularly during the college football season. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Stormy. Yeah. Appreciate y'all having me. Have fun. Good luck with your bets. Man, she's sharp. She knows a lot about a lot. I wanted to make the joke when she's talking about her Rangers future. And I was like, those are fake names. Those are not real names <laughs> I know, that you just said. I mean, so easily, too. I have. Yep. No issue admitting that I don't know anything about hockey. I'm trying to learn, but I mean, she's like, I have a lot of faith and I really like so-and-so. I couldn't even repeat it because you're like, yeah, me too. But she's so good because she convinces you. She's like, this is why. And I'm like, hell yeah, Yeah, I agree. She knows her shit. Um, (laughs) So awesome stuff from her. Yeah. Thank you to Stormy. Everyone, make sure you go uh, watch her show. I've been watching and she has a lot of great guests on there and 
always come out of that definitely knowing a whole lot more. Before we get to winning picks, let's talk some free money. On WinBet, when you open a new WinBet account, make a deposit of $10 or more. Take that $10, put it on a bet, odds minus 120 or greater. Get $200 in free bets. Go to WinBet.com or download the WinBet app for official rules and details. And our secret word here in this episode is Chef Curry. Chef Curry cooking him up 50 points in the All-Star game. Send that secret word to the WinBet Twitter account. Slide into the DMs. Include your WinBet username and WinBet email. And Chef Curry for a $25 free bet. Terms and conditions apply. I like it. Chef Curry. Creative. Winning picks. Smaller slates all around. Just three college basketball, five NHL, mostly early games. So, you know, we won't give out any that won't make sense until later. And then NBA not back till Thursday what do you got, Joe? What an all-star break for the NBA, by the way. They get a full week. <laughs> I know. I didn't realize that. I saw like a tweet this morning. It was like, when you can't bet the NBA till Thursday. I was like, Thursday? It's weird. I know. I figured Tuesday. Um, I have a couple of plays. College basketball. I am taking Baylor minus five uh, at Oklahoma State. Baylor is by far the superior team. There's a couple significant edges. Uh, one on the offensive glass, Baylor ranks fifth in offensive rebounding percentage, where Oklahoma State's defense ranks 315th in opponents' offensive rebound percentage. And then forcing turnovers, Baylor, their defense ranks 12th in forcing turnovers, and Oklahoma State's offense ranks 304th in turnover percentage. So while Oklahoma State is at home and they are competent, they've got some big wins this season. They don't match up well with Baylor at all. I'm laying the five and taking the Bears. Uh, and then I'm going to keep riding the Blue Raiders. I got, I hit them Thursday, hit them Saturday. And I'm going to try it again and make them my winning pick here. Middle Tennessee State minus five and a half versus UTEP. UTEP, damn good team. But they rely heavily on three-point shooting. They were 72nd in three-point percentage. Middle Tennessee State, fantastic at defending the three. They rank 118th in opponent three-point percentage. And UTEP is 321st in two-point percentage. So again, relying very heavily on the three ball. I like the Blue Raiders here at home, laying five and a half. Um, and then just a little uh, chalky money line parlay, Syracuse, North Carolina, Baylor, and MTSU gets you at a plus 209. I've had some success with just nothing wrong with some chalk every now and again. No, you know, nothing wrong. A little bit of a square, but square, a cash square ticket is a cash ticket all the same. Money is money. Money I agree. is money. It all spends <laughs> the same. I am going to go to the Leafs and Canadians. So I faded the Canadians last time. It burned me. But I'm going to stick with this. Hear me out. I'm going to go Leafs first period to win. That's at plus 100. And then my winning pick will be total over six at minus 125. There's mostly still sixes out there. I've seen some six and a half at plus money. I'd go with the six. A little extra protection with the push there. The Leafs should bounce back from their six to three loss to the Blues on Saturday. The Canadians are on a second back, are on the second leg of a back-to-back. They're coming off of two wins, like I mentioned, under their new head coach, but they still have one of the worst offenses in the league. I see the Leafs coming out with some more energy. They've had a day of rest. Their offense continues to roll. Their team total sits at four and a half. They're averaging just under four goals a game. They have the edge in net with Peter Morozik against likely Sam Montumbo, uh, unconfirmed, but Andrew Hammond played last night, so probably won't hear Montembo, I know I'm saying this wrong, but that's that's how I'm going to say it. He's 310-4 this season with an 895 save percentage. League average is 910, allowing just four goals a game, one of the worst in the league, almost four goals a game, a minus 7.5 goal saved above expected. 
And the Leafs do have an edge with Mrazek in net, but he's no Jack Campbell, who is their starter. He's allowing almost three goals a game and just nine. So for all of those reasons, I think that this goes over six pretty easily. But I also see value in that first period puck line, which is basically just Leafs to win it at plus money. The Canadians have the worst win-loss record for the first period in the league. And it's the opposite case for the Leafs, who are just outside of the top 10. So a few options there, but I would say for my winning pick, I'd go over six. Over six. Over six is the play. I'll blind tail that. Okay, cool. And I'll tell yours. See? Okay, so you are going to sort of get back into NHL. I'm down to just blind tail you and call it myself getting into hockey. All right, all right. Fair that I'm going to do the same for college basketball. Love it. Easy. Uh, That is episode 45. Thank you all for tuning in. We will see you on Thursday.